Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Fudu, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, X Fudu, and today I have with me another one of my friends who's also a fellow book lover, Amelia. Amelia, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi everyone, as Krita already said, I am Amelia, and yes, we love to read. We really did start our friendship with quite a lot of book talks, <laughs> like books in common or even books like we need to start to read together, you know, these suggestions and all of it. That's always we started being friends. And yeah, like I was really happy to come on and talk to you all about one of my favorite books. Yes, so we're really happy to have Amelia here today. Um, today's tea is also a good tea of Amelia as is our book. And today's tea is hibiscus tea. It's, and actually only one type of hibiscus is used for the tea. The hibiscus sablarifa and all the other flowers are just really pretty to look at. The hibiscus infusion is actually made from the calyx, not the flower itself. And it's the part of the flower that protects the bud before it blooms. Hibiscus tea is really rich in vitamin C and it's really great for um, controlling blood pressure. So it's a pretty flower, which gives us a really cool drink. Plants are cool like that. Now onto the book review today. We'll, re we'll be reviewing one of Amelia's favorite series, The Infernal Devices. And today's podcast is going to center around the first book in the series, which is The Clockwork Angel. So, Amelia, you want to start us off with a little intro into the book? Yeah, okay. So, this book is part of the prequel series that Cassandra Clare wrote for her mainstream series, The Mortal Instruments, which also has a lot of spin offs and sequels, which. I could come back to do. You could do the whole series if you want. But yeah, so this series is centered around Will, Tessa, and Jem from the Elizabethan era of shadow hunting and how they used to do it back in the day before all the modernized technical stuff came in. And it really has a lot of developing themes as you go through the books. But since it's a, like a trilogy, you get through it moderately fast because it's just that interesting and you just want to read more and more and more and more and more. I agree, I agree. I'm So admittedly, I've begun this series and I'm a good chunk into Clockwork Angel. Love it. The world building is just so rich. And Amazing. You feel like you're in the Elizabethan era. The writing is very succinct. It's very nice. And the characters are very real. I personally, that's why I'm like, a little over 300 pages in and no I don't have a favorite character as yet I I have mixed feelings to all of them and I think that's a mark of a good character that you don't you, you don't essentially find them boring or a Mary Sue anything like that so definitely great props for world building and character development uh, do you have a favorite character from yes I do out of all the characters like <laughs> and I'll be really basic it have so many characters and it's not like one overshadows the other every single character has their own particular story and you come to love every single one but you come to love a few more than <laughs> you love the rest so for me i am akin to will herondale honestly like herondale's for me as part of like cassandra Clare's whole world just herondale's oh um, building of them is so, like even though they're like they gloomy and stuff at the start you end up starting to love them once you get to know them, as with all people. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
if you have, if you do start this book, uh, I guess um, a little way in my impression of Will so far, I think it's really cute that he has all this um, interest in remembering these different poems and stuff. I think, I, I just think that is um, a stand that you should keep, you know, if you're looking for somebody, I feel, why, why should they not quote poetry to you? Why should they not read all the books you like? Why not? That is a standard. It's just my personal opinion. Um, other than that, I do think he's a bit of um, an asshole at the beginning. But I mean, given that I don't know his backstory as yet, I feel like it. He, I, I feel like because of like how life treated him, he deserves to have that asshole. Maybe. Um, very strong. I can see that from the get go. She is very strong. I hated Nate from the beginning. I hated how he was so entitled when I saw. So did I. I did not have a liking to Nate at all. I had a liking to Will immediately. Even though, like, I didn't know his backstory, mm-hmm. I kind of went for like the red flag character <laughs> as always. Uh, my favorite color is red. So. Red flag characters, me, I like to, like, know them. But, yeah, her insistence on having a character that is really into lit is amazing because she herself is into lit, obviously. <laughs> so every one, of her, every one of her books or franchises has a character that's really akin to literature. And it's great because she pulls books like The Tale of Two Cities and all these Elizabethan era books for this series which is great because she really ties it in like understanding who Charles Dickens was and understanding the poetry of all of it amazing definitely and I can't even imagine the amount of research that must have gone into just crafting this world to be so authentic to the time that it's set in like honestly I yeah even some of the maps and stuff are are actually like based on London at that time in her books when they came out with the the maps in the books are the new covers Mm -hmm. it actually has like a map of London that you could go around to and look at look at where all the buildings would have been and some of the buildings are actually true to the story like when she was there writing the books she went there to write it so it was more so places that she actually saw she put it into the books and she wrote it in oh my that's so that is really cool that's that's really cool honestly that's really cool and it's so cute that um it, it she tried to stay as real as possible to the actual um inspiration yeah. for the books so that's really cool but yeah back to hating on it he's horrible he's just <laughs> entitled he's like an entitled first one pretty boy who has no skills beyond asking mm-hmm. basically that's Nathan in a nutshell and he was so bold-faced when um Tessa his sister found out that he had essentially sold her because he has a gambling problem as all Tessa's firstborns do mm-hmm. in that time and I just absolutely I, I really honestly just wanted to you know reach in there and hit cough him. him down cough him down I wanted to cough him down because why are you talking to Tessa like that exactly. why Tessa in contrast I every time she like tried to protect him my annoyance with her rose I was like no <laughs> let well knock him down why are you protecting this boy I but I didn't see that betrayal coming so I really give props to um the author for how she wrote it because I didn't see it coming. At most, I thought he was just a waste of space and a coward, and he was. Me like, too, actually. Like I really thought, like her twists do come up 
in the coolest ways and you don't even think about like as somebody who thinks about things right through mm-hmm. to the end I did not think of that happening I was like wow you're really more than a deadbeat wow <laughs> you had yeah, to be a traitor too um I also one of the really cool things that um popped out was really early in the story when the institute is underrun by these automations because there I believe there was this um saying that nobody dead or alive or something so could come onto the ground so they made something that wasn't quite dead or alive so be able to enter this um these this these consecrated grounds that the academy was on for Shadowhunters and her clockwork angel, this locket she got from her mother, I thought it was so cool that it just immediately sprang to life trying to protect her when one of the automations um, was trying, well, it wasn't, uh, it was accidental, I believe, that it ended up trying to kill her, and the yeah. angel sprang to life and um, protected her. I thought that was really cool. Again, I didn't expect it. I know there was, there had to be some sort of significance, because yeah. of the angel. Like, the magic of it is really cool, because in in the shadow hunter world there's quite a lot of magic so you end up like having to think about okay so maybe this is like magical or the significance is something like magical about it and stuff like that i love those little easter eggs in books like even if it's like the main genre is fantasy give me give me a plot give me very intense world yeah i want to be able to like sit down and just look at it and see the whole picture and be like wow this is yeah yeah so what do you think about Jem? I love Jem. Will's counterpart. Honestly, I I love him. And when I and when I found out about his illness, I was like, this is gonna hit me where it hurts because he, he it's basically he's basically deteriorating before your eyes. And I was like, but he's the only one that actually stood like I didn't immediately say, oh my, he's annoying. At first glance, I saw him and I was like, yes, yes. We, we love to have we love to have that dynamic of having a reckless pretty boy and then a more toned down pretty boy who's the boy yeah we love that dynamic. it's like it's like the sun and the moon with them basically but her um her depiction of parabatai is so cute like having because jaman will met each other when they were kids mm-hmm. will hated everybody when he was a child he hated everyone and everything except Jem. He still hates everybody, no. He just has a better yeah. Except Jem. Like, he loves Jem with a different kind of fire. And it's amazing to see. And their their relationship is really cute. Like, even though Jem lets him go on his random rants all over the place, he'll still, like, box him down if he do something stupid. Or we'll pull up on him for not taking his medicine. And it's really cute to see their their love because they literally like tied to each other as brothers. Oh my, that's honestly I love I love um that piece of her will building because every story that I um start reading I always like to look for their their niche that what makes them stand out from the rest. Yeah. And honestly, the Shadowhunter will is just so far it's been built brilliantly. Honestly, I haven't incredibly complex. It is, and I am here for it. And there's like zero loopholes that I, I, I've i read over these series about 10 times in my short lifetime because it's just so good. And I find no loopholes ever in her complex world building. That's how good it is. Like she doesn't miss. She doesn't like 
miss something or she doesn't like say this but it's actually another way it's just great honestly in a world where they have authors that leave much to be desired we need more people like her we yeah. love um so i know some of you who will be listening this probably haven't read uh infinitely vices yet but basically the shadow hunters then fm and they're half angel half human and they're descended they all their folklore basically states that they're all descended from raziel i believe yeah. that that right? yeah and he gifted them with um their powers uh i believe they have they mark their bodies with runes with runes to uh protect them and Etrin has like a different capability. There runes to open doors for protection, healing, strength. So it's really very cool. And aside from all these magical properties or whatnot, they were also given um mortal instruments. And that in and of itself is her other series that we will definitely have Amelia here for to run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did start that series as well, but I didn't. Again, I wanted at that point I wanted the hard copy with. A very fierce passion so I only <laughs> finished the first book and I need to reread it before we go to that one yeah so her mother instruments were basically passed down from the angel to the nephilim and it consisted of a gray book the gray book which is what all the runes are in mm-hmm. that's all the like recognized runes because there's other ones for like evil and stuff but the gray book runes are what like they use on their skin There's the sword, and then there's the mirror. Fun, fun. But the mirror has some mystery to it, and the sword, the sword compels any shadow hunter to tell the truth. So, like, once you have it in your in your hands, you can't lie. It like pulls the truth out of you, even if you don't want to tell the truth. So it's oh. using trials and stuff like that. That's really cool. That's really cool. It reminds me of, I think, vaguely of some. power of the story that I'm not remembering right now honestly but it sounds really cool honestly and if you had the chance would you like to like step into the pages of infernal devices yes yes i would <laughs> i would head straight to will hardy honestly <laughs> and like bonk him over the head bonk like all three of them over the head their love triangle is adorable because on one side Tessa is very intrigued with Will and she like wants to know him and like wants to know why he's the way he is and then there's Gemma on that side who's like a longing puppy who just loves Tessa but everybody knows it except for Tessa oh no pain 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 i honestly i think because i've seen such poorly done love triangles i hate the trope so much Like, this one is done well. I could tell you that. This one is done so well. Well, I'll have something to look forward to. I that. think in almost every series that I've written that I've read, sorry, she has a love triangle in it. Oh my. Oh my. There's a love triangle in every single one. But she does it in a way that is not the same thing over and over and over. So like this one is best friends who fight over one girl. One of them is brothers fighting over one girl. One of them, one of them is um a best friend in love with the girl, but the girl like another guy. Of course. Yeah, and then there's the girl best friend who likes the guy, but the guy likes another girl. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! 
Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. And I'll hold you to it that she did it properly as opposed to having people just pelt information. She did, because I don't like the trope either. I never did like the trope. Like, why do we need to have a love triangle? They can't just be two people. Can't just be two people. Why have to have this one complicated third person? Oh, my. I just want a plain and simple love story. I'm so we have enough drama with this one killing that one this one dead mother coming back exactly we have enough um who else can we talk about um so the shadow hunter academy in london um is headed by charlotte and henry yeah uh, legally i guess for lack of better words the club um recognizes henry as the head of the institute but henry much prefers to spend his time uh tinkering in the basement yeah he's, very, um, he's um a little like Hephaestus I guess for lack of better words in that <laughs> kind of yeah so, so Charlotte really has to take up the institute's uh-huh. duties like she was born and bred for this but because she was she's a woman she really couldn't take up the head the head name until she was married that's why well that's why some people speculate that that's why she married Henry but yeah. that's not really the case they, they actually really do love each other they do and like even though Henry's kind of ditzy <laughs> he does love her like he's yeah. ditzy but he's he's actually really smart like he's responsible for quite a lot of the um inventions that the modern shadow hunter will use oh if you read in the um shadow hunters codex like the actual like it's like a manual for all the readers mm-hmm. but it's like written in a way that there's like Clary's notes from Clary Simon and Jason's notes from the um the original will. So if you get like your hands on one, I have one. Like I I I needed to have one. If I didn't have one, then I would have like spontaneously combusted. Oh my, oh my. Um, I also have like the coloring book and everything from Water Schmidt. Like the official coloring book, but I never colored in it because why would I want to color in it? It makes no sense. I'm just gonna spoil it. But yeah, when I get her codex, you'll see like there's his there's history in it. So you'll see Henry Branwell's name come up. Right. That's I, I will definitely look out for it. I love um when the different these different series when they have that little like history tidbit attached to it. Yeah. I just think it just makes it so much more authentic and so much more enjoyable to actually go through and you know you're reading this book where you read it in the other books that you know they're reading this to try and find X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I like it. it yeah, be- and Henry and Charlotte's dynamic was really cute. Like, I- even though people people knew Charlotte was running the institute, mm-hmm. but they didn't really have anything to say because she had Henry next to her. But that's that was a fact in um in sure. Elizabethan mm-hmm. eras that only a man could do this and only a man could do that. And it's it, it's just you know like there was a lot of sexism in it where you know the men and stuff went out to fight in pants but the girls had to wear like tunics and stuff like that horrible 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 but I really think she portrayed it really well um I honestly did initially think that Charlotte and Henry were there um like they didn't they were just there politically together so that Charlotte could run the institute but then I so then um they switched to perspective where she was um, considering reaching out to Henry when they were going initially to meet uh, Mortman. Mortman or Mortman? How do you pronounce it? Mortman. Mortman. And then she didn't. So she thought it would have been lost on him. And I was like, no, she actually likes him. So this is all this. 
Yeah, they're all cute. I, yeah, you just have this very strong-willed woman who's quite short because apparently you need to be short to be strong-willed in most books. And I then, guess. And then you have this very smart, but at the same time, ditzy dude. And then finding out his weapon of choice is a broadsword. Just, it just, it just it, it's just the cutest thing. Like, Ditsy Henry picks up a broadsword to fight with. And knows how to use it. Full and knows how to use it right. That's very true. And then I, um, I think Charlotte's weapon is a whip. Badass. Badass. Full stop. Amazing. I love, I loved all, all of those weapons of choices are really nice. Like, I know Jem has his cane that, like, extends into a knife. I love it. I love it. I always wanted a replica of that cane. I think it really, see, it, all the weapons kind of, uh, they're linked kind of with their backstory and their personality, for lack of mm-hmm. better because Jeb would have been, uh, I guess he would have been runner up to run Sha- the Shanghai Institute if his parents hadn't passed away. So, and honestly, I don't know if I want, Actually, no, I don't mind the spoiler, but does he survive or is it like, is it a tragic love story on his part with Tessa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to spoil it for everybody else who's listening, but I mean, y'all will forget by the time I'm reading the book. So basically what happens is in the second book, they come into more of the love story where Tessa is finding out. Because this whole series is about finding out the identity and understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. With respect to Tessa, she's the main character. I mean, she doesn't know who she is anymore. She, she's been thrust into this world with magic and demons and vampires, warlocks, werewolves, all of these things, and random people with, ta- with black tattoos on their skin <laughs> that do these amazing things. And she's like, I don't fit in here, but then she does like she starts fitting in there because she also has some magic in her that she doesn't know about as well yet aside from her her shape-shifting abilities I honestly I think again a dick move from Nate that he practically sold her and was the reason she had to suffer for her first couple weeks in London um I don't I I think I felt a brief flare of sympathy for the Dark Sisters in that um they and they did deserve what they got in the end, but I mean, it was kind of sad to see that. Uh, I think it was Mrs. Which one survived? Mrs. Black? No, Mrs. Black died. Yeah, Mrs. Dark did. And Mrs. Dark survived, I think. Yeah, so I think it was. I could understand and sympathize with that, and it actually had a really nice parallel between. I don't sympathize with them. <laughs> I don't sympathize with them. They put my guilt through hell. Put yeah. my guilt to hell. Yeah, but I like the parallel she put between the fact that a demon cared more about her warlock sister than a human did about his sister. That was a really yeah. nice parallel to show that even though the shadow hunters do protect the mortals, they are capable of great evil. And I think with Mortmain, they see that more as well and they learn to mm-hmm. maybe not, they may not ever respect the humans because they do a lot of the intro when Tessa meets them she feels like they're speaking about mortals as inferior beings they don't class themselves as mortals they do they do see mortals as inferior beings because mortals can't do anything whereas shadow hunters have all this power and all <laughs> this like you know superiority in the shadow world because they also put themselves above all of the okay we call they call all the other species of the shadow world downworlders 
So mm-hmm. people like warlocks, werewolves, vampires, and fairies, all downloaders, they put themselves above them. So yeah, they do have a flair of superiority because they do like protect and they protect without needing that thanks. It's like, you know, we up there, but we don't need all the technology up there. <laughs> and downloaders hate them. Like they in this time, downloaders hate them. Like they just because they start they move like tyrants sometimes, mm-hmm. especially with their politics and stuff like that. They really do move like tyrants. And I see um Magnus the warlock makes an appearance. Magnus Bane is my <laughs> okay. Magnus Bane, he appears right through every single one of us. He's like he's he's like that character that ties it because warlocks are um immortal. So he could be part of every single one of the um books. And he is adorable, but he's also like feisty. And so he's also a red flag. <laughs> Magnus is a huge red flag, but I don't care because he's amazing and I love him so much. He, he has to be like, apart from like my singular favorite characters, he's my favorite character from every single book. Every single book, he's like the one thing that's constant. And he's amazing. I think I only met him for like less than five minutes so far but yeah from the immediately I was like yes yes this is my spirit animal honestly <laughs> yeah he is he's a lot of people's spirit animal he's so sassy about it too with good reason I mean yeah he has to be insanely powerful to be living for all it's all throughout all this uh, hubbub wow who else um Jessie, honestly, I hated her at the beginning because she was so insistent on not being a shadow hunter. Like, why would you not want to wield blades and be badass? But then I could also understand that maybe it was like a trauma response after losing her parents that she thinks that if she completely, uh, if she, like, you know, keeps your last wish in mind to not be a part of the shadow hunter world, like, maybe it's like honor and memory or some shit like that. Yeah. But, I honestly hope, like, I get to see more of her fighting because she does have, it's in her blood, honestly. It's in her blood. And I hope- you will start to learn about Jessie a lot more and, like, learn her backstory and learn about, uh, like, why she chose to do what she does. Like, she thinks it's, like, the proper lady thing to not go and fight and be out there. But that's not the world she's living in. Exactly. But she really is a badass fighter. Like, she is amazing. Like, her tra- like she trains, you know. Like, she has training. It's just she don't like to I can imagine she literally splattered. It was a hobgoblin, I think, on a stroke. Park, with her parasol. The amount of times I read that, I want that parasol so bad. I want a parasol with blades in it, bro. Same, 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 same. And that's essentially, I believe that's essentially the cockroach angel in a nutshell. I don't think we, I think we've spoken enough about all the main characters so far without giving too much away. Yeah. But honestly, Highly, highly recommend, and I'm only like quarter way in, and I'm yeah. in this, like ten times. A thousand out of ten would recommend anybody <laughs> who's like starting to read read Cassandra Clare's books. Very, very rich, very rich storytelling, honestly, and you definitely feel like you're in the era the book is set in, which is something yeah. that we like to see in books that are set in the past or even futuristically. Because it's one thing to write and like use the proper words or whatnot. It's another thing to actually set a tone for a book. Yeah, like she immerses the reader with her descriptions. Like your imagination is left with nothing to like need for. 
you just you, you have everything in place and like it, it's like inside the book and we all love that honestly I love this I love like if somebody talks to me I need to jar off and be like what world am I in and why am I not in this book mm-hmm. that's, that's the feeling I always look for um so I guess that concludes today's podcast anything else you'd like to add Amelia anybody you'd like to say hi to anything you'd like to big up here um I don't know big up myself for waking up early to come to talk to you about books because it's one of my favorite things to do you could like like I listen to people talk about um the Shadowhunters books after they watch the show and I'm like wow y'all are like peasants because I've been reading (laughs) these books since I was 12 since I was 12 I've been reading these books and I've been following this entire franchise for quite a lot like seven like seven to eight years of my entire life so yeah y'all get into it but not because you watch the show and the show is also I don't want to say it like it's trash but the show is if you read the books the show is awful compared to the books. <laughs> honestly I prefer books to movies and if the movie was done well kudos to whoever made it I have but, seen zero movies done well. Unless I count like Hunger Games and stuff like that. Like their movies were done okay. But yeah, so that concludes today's podcast. If uh, you like listening to this, um, you can find it on Apple Music, you can find it on Spotify, and you can find it on the Acast platform. We'll definitely be having Amelia again with us here on Teach we loved having you here today. Thank you so much for your time, your insight. It was lovely to have this conversation with you. And I'm sure the dozens of people who are going to listen to this later today <laughs> are going to agree with me when I say you are a great guest reviewer today. <laughs> Thank you. And I was, I'm so happy to be here. And I'll be happy to come back to talk <laughs> about the rest. There's like 20 books now that we can talk about. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to those 20 episodes, honestly. So thank you all for listening. Again, um, if you feel so obliged, give me a follow at Talks with Kudo. You can give Amelia a follow. I'll be tagging her um, on this post on my Instagram. And yeah, so thank you for listening. And I'll see you all next time.